over the last, oh, about six, six or seven weeks, we have um, been traveling with the Hebrew people uh, as they have journeyed through the wilderness out of slavery in Egypt and towards the promised land. And today, today they arrive uh, at the promised land almost. They have it in sight and Moses stops them for a while in the book of Deuteronomy because he has some things to remind them of. And so we'll pick up um, in our, our text there and Jillian and Martha are gonna come and read for us. So the scripture reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses six through 18. And this is the new revised standard version. Therefore, keep the commandments of your sovereign God by walking in God's ways and by fearing God. For your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land where stones are iron and from whose hills you mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless your sovereign God for the good land that God has given you. Take care that you do not forget your sovereign God by failing to keep God's commandments and ordinances and statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold has multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself forgetting your sovereign God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who led you through the great and terrible wilderness and arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. God made water flow for you from the flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know, to humble you and to test you, and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own have gotten me this wealth. But remember your sovereign God, for it is God who gives you power to get wealth so that God may confirm the covenant that God swore to your ancestors as God is doing today. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, we gather this morning, as so many have gathered over the centuries, to worship you, to praise you, and to wait and to seek a living word from you. We ask that you quiet our hearts and our minds that we might hear and see and experience your word of life. In all things, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. In this morning's scripture, Moses stands with the people on the threshold of the land of promise, and he invites them to do what we do on All Saints Day. Remember, 
He invites them to stand in the fullness of the present moment and remember those who have gone before, even as they look forward in hope. At some point in the early centuries of Christianity, we began to think of saints as those among us who had led extraordinary lives. We held them up as examples to live by and set apart individual saints' days for remembering each of them. Over the years, we experienced many saints among us, and there were so many saints' days that we also set aside one day called All Saints' Day as a day of expansive remembering. In the Protestant and Reformed traditions, we embraced an even broader understanding of saints, returning to the sense in which saint would have been used in the New Testament. When the Apostle Paul used the word saint, he would have been referring to those living together in Christian community, those set apart for Christ. So Paul would write to the saints of Philippi or the saints of Rome. When we're talking about saints, we're thinking of everyone who has ever called on the name of God. The folks we're living in community with right now, the ones who sit in the pew or on Zoom with, with us right now, and all those who've gone before, those whom we have known and loved, and the generations of siblings in the faith known and unknown down across the years who have gone before us. For the past six weeks or so, as we have thought of our theme of long haul living, we've been traveling with one generation in particular of those who have gone before. The Hebrew people, as they make their journey through the wilderness out of slavery in Egypt and toward the promised land. As we conclude our long haul living series, I didn't think we could just leave them there wandering in the wilderness. So we join them today toward the end of their journey as they reach the land of promise almost. You may remember, we set out with these siblings in the faith right after they had escaped slavery in Egypt. They'd crossed through the waters onto dry land and they found themselves in a bewildering experience of wilderness. And God accompanied them. When they had no food, they cried out to God and God brought manna in the morning, bread from heaven each morning, enough for the day, and then the next. When they ran out of water, they cried out, and God brought water from the rock. And as they wandered and realized that they had no idea what it was like to live free from the oppressive systems of Egypt, God gave them the Ten Commandments and said, here, this is how free people live. Here is how you live in relationships of trust and love with each other and with me. They've journeyed for 40 years now one generation making way for the next. And here they are this morning and they've reached the land of promise almost. For 40 years and three books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the Hebrew people travel through the wilderness and here in Deuteronomy, they reach the river. They're on the verge looking forward into the land of promise and they pause. They pause, and Moses stands before them and says, remember. And just this week, it's dawned on me that that's where the whole of the book of Deuteronomy takes place. All 34 chapters with the people standing there on the threshold of the land of promise after a long journey as they pause and remember. Moses says to them, remember 
Remember the law that God has given you, the law called love, the law and love that lead toward life. Remember how God has accompanied you and your parents and your grandparents on this long haul journey. Remember. We get a sliver of what Moses has to say in the text that Jillian and Martha just read. Standing in the fullness of the moment, Moses invites the people to take a look ahead toward a day of freedom and a land and life lush with flowing streams and springs and underground waters welling up in the valley. Look from their days of manna in the desert toward the days in which they can eat bread without scarcity, wheat and barley amid vines and fig trees and pomegranates. And as they look forward, Moses reminds them that they also must remember. The only way, the only way they will know how to live with God and each other in a land of plenty is to remember what it was like to live with God and each other in a land of want. Remember when we were hungry. Manna every morning. Remember our thirst and the water from the rock. Remember above all the law called love. Love God and each other, honor families, mothers and fathers, parents and grandparents, respect and protect the lives of all people. Don't lie or cheat or steal. Make sure every person, every worker has a Sabbath rest. Remember and live like that. Patricia Tull suggests that we glimpse at least three audiences listening in Deuteronomy. There is, of course, the generation of people standing right there with Moses on the verge of the land of promise. But just before them, there have been their parents and their grandparents. The generation that actually set out from Egypt on this journey that they are now completing. They stand on their shoulders. And then there is the generation centuries later who will write this story down, remembering how God accompanied their ancestors with constancy every morning of every day in plenty and in want and in every circumstance in between. And then I would add in this listening and remembering, we also glimpse every generation who has heard and told this story ever since from one generation to the next on down to the next, and then to the next, all the way down to us, generation to generation. What we see in this text is a glimpse of what we might today call the communion of the saints. Across the generations, on down through time and around the world, all of us together, remembering this law of love and life. The gift that God gives us in this remembering is the gift of each other and the gift of remembering God in the midst of us over time, all the time. Perhaps the most important gift that God gives us for the long haul is the gift of each other, the gift of life in community. This scripture gives us one glimpse of that. I wanna to mention to remember two glimpses like that that we've had this year. One is a glimpse of the communion of the saints that we've had through the power of technology, the other through the power of imagination. This year has disrupted our life together.
Among other things, it has required us to shift from a practice of meeting in person to a practice of gathering here on Zoom. And like everything, Zoom comes with its challenges and with its blessings. Zoom can't completely replicate the experience of being in person together, our bodies in the same room with each other, one body like that. And Zoom has offered us a new and different glimpse of the body of Christ gathered in worship, a different glimpse of the communion of the saints. In January and February, when we gathered, our glimpse of the communion of the saints would have been of the people in the room with us, all of us sitting in rows of pews. Here in this space, we are face to face, and our glimpse is not bound by any four walls. When we share communion, we sometimes say that folks will gather at the table from the north and the south and the east and the west. We see that here. We get a glimpse across this array of beautiful faces from the east and from the west, the north and the south, across continents and oceans, a glimpse of the communion of the saints broader than any room could hold. The other glimpse we've had this year is one I stumbled on back in January, this sense of the 200-year present. You may remember, Elise Boulding says we live in a 200-year present that our lives touch 200 years of lives. She invites us to think back to the oldest person that would have held us when we were an infant. For me, that would have been my um, great-grandmother, Elsie Ruark. She would have been in her 70s or her 80s. Then think of the youngest person you know now, a child you might hold in your arms, not hard the Sunday after a baptism, and project for them a lifespan of 80 years or so your life has touched and will touch 200 years of lives, 200 years of history. That's what Moses is doing in this text. Moses invites the people to look forward in hope to the lives that their children might live in a world where bread is not scarce and water pours forth over a dry and weary land, a land of figs and honey and pomegranates. And as they prepare to move in hope into that tomorrow, Moses encourages them, no, let's say it plain, Moses commands them to remember their yesterday. Gustavo Gutierrez says that memory is where faith resides, and that's why it's essential for the life we live today. Memory is the place we remember God loving us and liberating us and bringing us into life, how we have lived life in love together with God. As this church was getting ready to celebrate its centennial in 1997, a number of folks set out to write a church history. I've got it here. It's titled, Our Past, A Window to the Future. As I read through the list of writers, I see folks in our midst now, folks we see on Zoom from week to week, Walt Davis, Joe Gross, Mary Gillespie, Sally Johnson, Jean Holm, and I also see folks who've gone on before us, Nan Harl, Phil Gross, Verna and Roy Fairchild, Betty Stott, to name but a few. In explaining their purpose, as they wrote this history, they said this, 
We write about the past for the sake of the future. We seek to articulate the nature of the legacy which we pass on to our children and our children's children. We offer this account of our historical legacy as an act of faith in the future and as a stimulus to live into that future. Our memory of life with God yesterday points us to where and how we might find our way to life today and not just for us, but for our children and our grandchildren. And when I say our children, I mean the children and grandchildren of everyone around the world for the generations on our heels and for all the generations yet to come. The purpose of remembering those who have gone before, the lives they have lived, the lessons they have learned, the love that they have conveyed onto us, the purpose of all that is to bless and enliven the present moment, this world, and to live into the hope of the life and the lives yet to come. The lives we live today, we live because of those who have loved us into this moment. The lives we live today, we live for those who are yet to come. The lives we live today, we live for Gavin and Claire and Cecilia, Cece and June, Anders and Everett and Paula, for those who may someday stand in this place and remember our names. The lives we live today, we live for children and youth and college students who are living in this world of pandemic and sheltering and conflict, figuring out with loving parents and teachers how to learn and grow and thrive in this day and then the next. The lives we live today, we live for children at the border who have been separated from their parents and whose parents our government through its neglect cannot find in the hope that those children will be restored to the love of family and that they will live free. The lives we live today, we live for young black lives in the earnest hope that they will be able to move through the streets free of fear of the police and of all the ways we have constructed systems that seek their harm. The lives we live today, we live for children who will become adults in a world of climate emergency in the hope that they might have air to breathe and water to drink and an earth to enjoy with tender care. The lives we live now embody for the world the hope of the saints of every time and every place. Hope for a day when people will gather from north and south and east and west and feast at a table where everyone is welcome and everyone has enough. Hope for a world where everything that is broken will be made whole. Hope for a world where everyone lives free. Hope for a world where we will live together with each other, with all those who have come before, and with all those yet to come in the loving and just communion of the saints, together with God, finding our way to life forever and ever. Amen.